recording. So welcome, welcome to another episode of the Just a Couple Dudes Jack Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Flatiger. And I'm a co-host, Frank Lewandowski the third. And I am Brandon Lawrence, and I am exhausted. <laughs> yeah, so today we, we all got together and we want, kind of want to just give uh, a bit of an update um, on all three of our lives, but kind of where the direction of the podcast is at too. And we have a lot of exciting stuff when it comes to the website and comes to some t-shirts and other noise and stuff like that too. So we're going to get into that. Um, so Frank, I kind of want to, I guess I'd start with you. And um, I know you posted a video that anyone can go look on our YouTube or Instagram and all of Frank's handles too to see, but uh, you kind of had a little bit of a tragic event that we covered in a previous podcast, but then you went to the memorial uh, for this person too, right? Yeah, I gave a shout out to Summer Paul. I actually didn't know what to say uh, because at the memorial, there's like 100 people there at the hospital. And um, I wanted to speak there, but I felt like it wasn't the right time. But one man did speak, and that was uh, Dr. Dursteller. And he's a Colonel Dursteller, actually. I'm trying to join his unit at the Air Guard. And he gave a speech where, you know, he teared up, where he brought up a lot of hope because, I mean, Summer died before 50. And all of a sudden, and she was like the heart of the West Valley. Uh, she made West Valley and Buckeye fun to go to, which those two locations aren't always. Uh, it's very difficult. It's a, it's a tough area. And I don't know anyone that could have done a better speech than Dr. Dursteller. And uh, he's our good man segment because me and Brandon both worked with him. Uh, he's a great, great man, great husband, great father. He's, he's a colonel in the air, air guard and he came across like such a leader and he's our good man segment because I want to be kind of like him. You know, there's not many men I say that I want to be like that guy when I grow up and he did a great job of talking about how Summer was a warrior and she w went through a lot. She, she lost her, her teenage boy at 19 to an asthma attack. Uh, her other daughter had like serious back problems and she never brought drama to work. Like she always brought her A game she was a loving mom, wife, and grandma. And honestly, like, I mean, she's one of the best ones to leave so early. So it just broke everyone up. Dude, isn't that uh, kind of incredible when you know someone's going through something so just crazy in their personal life and they still not just come to work, but they know like they can like elevate themselves and just keep going and make other people still smile, be happy, even though they're dealing with just absolute hell. I think that's one of the big elements of being a good leader is being able to separate that from work life, I guess, from personal life, particularly in the ERs. You, you let that affect you, you know, you're going to have a lot of ne negative uh, ramifications patient-wise. So I think he's just had that probably mentality for years. And, and he's just like this quintessential ER doc, like those old, the old guard of ER docs. He's just this kind of rugged, kind of badass. And to hear that he kind of tears up during this speech is, says something. Yeah, I think that's a that's a big thing that we're about on just a couple of dudes is that we're strong men, but we're also vulnerable and we're also okay with their feelings. And I think that's needs to be heard more than ever today. Um, and you see someone like Dr. Dursteller, who, I mean, man, you can't, he's a burly guy, man. What is he? 6'3", 250, like deadlifts, 300 pounds. Like, I mean, yeah, he's like a Viking, man. And like, you know, he's a leader of leaders. And um I think that's a, a good role model to, to aim for. Yeah, didn't you say a part of his, his speech, he quoted that quote of like out of 100 people, 80 or this. Can you, can you elaborate on that? 
Yeah, so like I said, it, uh, I am trying to join the military right now with the Air Reserve and Air Guard. It's a tough time because of COVID and recruiters are basically on vacation is the best mm -hmm. way to put it. But this is the quote he used and he was a, he, he had a master's degree or something in civil history or something like that. Anyways, he's, uh, so out of every 100 men, 10 shouldn't even be there. 80 are just targets, nine are the real fighters and we are lucky to have them for they make the battle. Ah, but the one, one is a warrior and he will bring the others back. That's Heraclitus, Heraclitus. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. But yeah, the thing he said was is Summer's the one out of a hundred, you know, like she meant so much. Like she was my favorite charge nurse out of the entire Brazo system. I worked every floor basically. So that's like well over a hundred. She was definitely my number one. So she was a warrior. Yeah, that's just, it's tragic. I mean, we kind of talked about it on a previous podcast, but it's so, it's just tragic when you lose someone like that, especially at like, it's just unexpected. You know, like you said, she wasn't even 50, right? She was about to turn 50. About to turn So 50. if you can imagine, I mean, Brandon, I don't, I haven't seen that many females that are pretty healthy, like that I know of that have died all of a sudden like that. I haven't seen it in a lot. It's usually older, in my opinion. I don't know what you think, but. Yeah, I mean, particularly women, we see that with, you know, obese smoking men frequently or, or women that don't take care of themselves. But I mean, I don't know her personally, but seeing her pictures and her interactions with people, she looks, you know, at least on the very, you know, more healthy side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's a huge shocker. And I think something to recognize too, is that we don't, we don't always have answers. And I think we want them, like, what could we do differently? What, and I think a big thing that was nice at the memorial is no one's really looking for answers. We're just sad. And we're just gonna, mm. we're just, it just makes me more driven now that she was a warrior. She wouldn't want me to sit here and cry all day. She would want me to, to push and do things that are gonna help people and give back and not stop. So I've had definitely, you know, real sad moments uh, since she's passed, um, but, I'm going to, in her memory, I'm going to, I'm going to take that and take it to positivity and, and try and um, go forward. Her husband actually reached out to me on Facebook and thanked me for the video I did and brought up a, a story when I was 18. I was in the Fire 1 and 2 Academy and my dad actually got to go through the fire with me. So that was like really meaningful because I, I never became a firefighter, but I still had that experience with my dad, who's my hero. And he actually got to go through the fires with me when we were training and going through, which we were in turnouts together. I actually have a picture in my, uh, my room and like, he brought that up and I'm like, man, that was 13 years ago. And, uh, mm -hmm. these people had big impacts on my life, even though I didn't see them, you know, frequently, but you know, impact is not always by the amount of time. No, it's not. Yeah, man. That's just, that's sad. But then again, like you said, you know, like no one knows what their time is you know what i mean no one has any idea like it could be next month next year and it sounds like she was one of those people who who always kind of chose you know positivity and, and to bring other people up you know versus mm -hmm. bringing others you know down or and whatnot and so it sucks when someone goes but you can kind of look back on their life and be like wow they were super impactful you know what i mean obviously she impacted you in a major way yeah and then Oh, sorry. What were you going to say, Brandon? I was going to say, I think that's good that you're honoring her in this way instead of anchoring on what the hell happened. This was a tragic event. We don't always, like you said, need answers. It's just shit luck, shit genetics. Probably not much else she could have done about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say move on in a non-sympathetic way, but it's you, she wouldn't want that, right? She wouldn't want you, everyone to be super depressed and, and thinking, you know, why does this happen? It's more honoring her legacy, right? 
and, and being that, that next person to step up in the, in the community like she would have wanted to do. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's not anything we can do. I think, I think Brandon and I have seen a lot of death. I mean, Eric, you saw, you had a death recently too. And I had my brother, which I'll be talking about shortly. We don't have to do this episode, but um, it's, yeah, I just like, like if I died all of a sudden, right, if I died today, you know, I, I'd be okay with people being sad, but I would want people to live life. And if I impacted them positively, uh, that would mean the world to me, you know, no matter where I'm at or whatever. But um, I think we need to understand that death happens every day. Like, I don't know. Do you remember Mariah, Brandon? Yeah, I saw that Facebook post. Well, I, I don't, I didn't want to pry what happened, but yeah, her mom looks like she passed away unexpectedly. She looked, she was like pretty, pretty young, maybe in her early fifties. Yeah. Well. And I don't know enough. I, I just told her I loved Mariah. Mariah's a, a, such a sweetheart. She was registration at one of the hospitals and uh, she was really close to her mom. She herself she, had gone through a kind of almost near tragedy too, about two years ago. So. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had a, a crazy brain like brainstem issue, I thought it was something like that with leaking fluid or something. She had to go to neuro- neurosurgery, something like yeah. that. Yeah, she had a pretty extensive surgery on her skull. But I feel bad. I mean, I, if I still have both my parents, so I'm lucky. I, I think you guys have both your parents, or I know Eric does. Brandon, you do. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that's like yet to lose uh, a parent. Yeah, I man. I can imagine it's, it's rough. You know. Um, so to kind of shift, you know, change gears a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on right i know i mean frank if you're following us on instagram and twitter and everything you'll you'll see how how active and busy you know frank is brandon too he's got a lot going on i don't know how much we'll get into but uh and even for me you know i've spoke about it i kind of post to my own uh personal accounts too i mean people know that I, I got engaged recently um i'm a lot of you know people who follow this know that i'm the dean of students at a high school but i'm also kind of transitioning to kind of be more of like the interim school leader there too uh, because my boss for different health reasons may have to take uh, a reduced role and whatnot and so it's just been crazy during times of COVID especially so I feel like as crazy as everyone's life kind of is though it's all culminating and we've really been able to elevate things and we're taking the podcast in other directions well not other directions but it's just getting catapulted forward you know and I just think I'm a huge fan of just putting you know when you put energy into something you know, I just feel like if it's intentional and it's genuine, it, it, it'll go in the right direction. And so we kind of wanted to, like I said in the beginning, kind of give people some updates and let, you know, let everyone know kind of where we're at with everything. Um, we just wrapped up, pretty much wrapped up, I guess you'd say, this whole shirt campaign that we've tweeted about, talked about, posted about. But I guess uh, Brandon, it was, this was kind of Brandon's brainchild too, this idea you kind of want to elaborate on what the shirts were and what they were for and uh what we're going to kind of some plans i guess a sneak peek at what we're going to do with it yeah so through kind of a group of uh other doctors that i know um i was able to get in touch with uh this this guy steve dr steven sample who is a somewhat of a a guy they interview on msnbc and cnn sometimes um, that gives kind of COVID updates in his community. And he had kind of this funny um, interaction with Brian Williams where he was holding up this How to Rona uh, fake textbook. And it was, you know, kind of a funny exchange. And so through this kind of group, I was able to interact with him and, and we decided, you know, it'd be awesome for him to come on the, the podcast and just kind of talk about 
his uh, misadventures and, and we decided at that point too to make a shirt, a how to Rona shirt with, you know, our podcast name on it as well as um, Brian Williams quote, <laughs> somebody came to play tonight, uh, which was in response to kind of his cheekiness. Um, so what we did, we also knew this other doc who had gone through a, a near awful tragedy. His kiddo was three months old, four months old, somewhere around there, and had been developing normally. And then suddenly was having these like kind of crazy just eye deviations. And they found that the kiddo had um, what was supposed to be a non-operative brain cancer, and they were discharging her to, to hospice. And so through this like community, um, they were able to link up with St. Jude's, who was doing some trials. Uh, and they said, yeah, you qualify. And now the kid has left the hospital six or eight months later, cancer free. Um, so we wanted to, you know, make the proceeds of this shirt to uh, St. Jude's in, in her name. Yeah, that's so amazing. That, that, and that's another story of like, gosh, life is so weird and crazy. Like someone can t pretty much tell you like, oh, well, you know, there's nothing you can do. This is just what it is. And then there's always other people or situations where you're like, no, we can make something happen still, or we can, you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. so, it's so crazy. I feel like I've heard a lot of those. Yeah. It's crazy that someone gave the suggestion that they just happened to qualify for this trial that they just started. It happened to work for the kiddo. And now, now they're supposedly cancer free and catching up on milestones. And it's just a testament to, you know, the, the malleability of kids too, the plasticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's nice to actually give back too, right? Like we're putting, we haven't made a dollar from this podcast yet. It's actually cost us money, right? So it's, uh, um, yeah. you know, everything we're doing is, is to help. And now we're able to actually put our money where our mouth is and donate to causes that can help. Like because St. Jude is funded and has donations and they're able to help kids like that. Yeah. So we can show, sell a cool shirt and be funny about it because that was a funny video. I've watched it a few times and uh it's just neat. This is just the start, right? We didn't really advertise the shirt. We just sold over 130 shirts and um, over $3,000 total and more or whatever it is uh, in sales. So it's just really cool to be able to actually do something that's impactful. And as this show grows, we are transparent with what we say because people, people trust us because that's the way we are. Yeah. And just yeah. for the record, we do have just a few shirts of each size left. So if any listener really wants it, they can email the podcast and I can put them on the list for it. Cool. That's Brandon, the salesman. Uh, he sells vacuums uh, Monday through Friday, um, yeah. eight to five. Yeah. Also really good all shirts. <laughs> uh, uh, so what else is going on? So I guess I'll pick up here and I'll say we got up at my, at the condo here I live in, we're building a podcast studio. So I just want to give a shout out to a few people that are really helping. Uh, my stepdad, Randy, he's a woodworker locally. He's actually never advertised ever. He's been doing it for over 30 years. He's actually building my, the desk from scratch. So I want to give a shout out to him. He actually built Matt Williams' uh, trophy case. Um, wow. Yeah, kind of random, right? I mean, Matt Williams seemed like such a jerk though, right? Yeah, he was bristly. He, he was pretty brash. <laughs> but uh, he played third base real well. Yeah. Um, and then Mark Coleman, so he's on. He's been on the podcast. He was the PTSD uh, episode in healthcare. He's actually helped so much for free. He's done the labels. He has a book coming out. He just wants to help, man. He, he reminded me to buy lights for my, so my it looks better when we actually have an HD camera with proper lighting. Um, and then we have, so he's helping. We have um, Lauren, Brandon's wife, who I, man, I hate to say it, bro. Like I like you, Brandon, but Lauren's oh, so cool. He's so much better. 
yeah man and like her, her sarcasm you you get it yeah. <laughs> i'm like sometimes brandon's text i don't know he's being sarcastic and i'm like did i piss him off like what did i say what did i say and then now i just always think it could be sarcastic so i'm like okay that's well, just brandon yeah. yeah you won't there's no letting anyone slide on any like there's no leeway <laughs> you know like, he's consistent yeah if he doesn't like you he doesn't talk well to you that's out. my thing too like uh people know actually i think people actually don't know when i don't like them because for the most part i just kind of ignore them yeah i don't know if that's a, a worse way to go about it but uh if i if i like you i'm i'm kind of picking on you and giving you a hard time and I've, think, I've always yeah. picked on Frank. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, since like day one. So I'm like, oh, yeah, because I used to be like, man, is he pissed off at me? Like, what the, what the hell is going on? But that's just the way it is. You know, it's just like guys uh, being guys. But um, what else is going on, man? We, so we have officially uh, an episode coming up with Mike Johnson from The Bachelor. So I did a tribute video to him kind of saying, hey, man, you're a badass. Love you, man. Come on the podcast. Let's market your book. Uh, he has 650,000 followers on Instagram alone. And he's a genuine guy. I know he's no different than he was back then. I knew him 11 years ago. And then me and him are going to be on with a third guy that was, that is our copywriter for Franklin New Joint. So it's just going to talk about boot camp and how we've, how we've grown and where we've been. And then a lot about Mike and, and where he's at. Well, and doesn't that just speak to like, you just figure out in life, you don't know something until you ask. And a lot of people are afraid to ask or afraid to try. Cause you're like, well, you know, why would they? want to talk to me or why would they want to do this or why would this happen for me and it's like just ask because like what's the worst that could happen like someone says yeah. no or or like you're selling something and you're like well i'll try to sell it so i'm like why would they want it it's like i don't know but if they want it that's good for me and if they don't i'll move on to the next thing as michael scott would say you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take right <laughs> yeah that is true man uh, not a grasky quote that's michael yeah. scott I, I do think sales gets a bad name so like we have, you know, I have right now, Franklin, you joint and just a couple dudes, but I don't sell it, right? I just tell you what I believe in. And if it works for you, I, I want you to join on board, right? Like we're only going to take patients, me and Brandon, that we can actually help. And with the just a couple dudes podcast, like, do we've been transparent since day one? Like yeah, me yeah. and Eric, like created this image, right? And this vision and, you know, it's kind of been up and down. It's only not even been a year yet. And now we're, we got what, 71 downloads or 73 downloads just today. And it's just crazy to see. Yeah, it's only 6.30. Yeah, and it's just crazy to see the traction, man. And like, how many people did just the child crisis episode help? Because that could be just that, just that tax credit is going to be huge. You know, that's simple that everyone can do, you know, or foster kids. Yeah. Like, we are impacting yeah, yeah, the community. Definitely. And I think, you know, I think you kind of alluded to it earlier. And then we were talking pre-podcast for a minute and Brandon mentioned it. You know, like extreme in any direction is just probably not good. And I, I think that's something we've been really good about. And I don't think any one of our personalities is to be like really hell bent in one direction, like very conservative or very liberal or very pro just this one thing. I mean, maybe like we're fans of some stuff that could be anything can be seen controversial though. Right. But like, we're very open and like, I, I always try to really think on subjects and kind of just in our back and forth and we talk about different stuff. It's like, who really knows? And just having that approach of like, just taking a backseat and really thinking and being open to ideas. I think that that's very genuine because if anyone tells you that they know, like they know what the answer, that's not a good sign. Like no one really knows everything. Yeah, Frank, I think you should 
take uh, listeners through the conversation you had at, at, in golf. I think it's a good transition to just kind of open-mindedness and, and kindness in responses to these sort of things. Yeah, so I'm, I'm struggling with people right now because I care a lot about people, but I think people are more on edge than ever and everyone's struggling, everyone. There's not one person that's not affected uh, by COVID, the economy and everything else that's going on, the riots, protests. But I had a guy today, I was just talking because I like to learn, right? And I was talking to a guy today and he was a New York cop and he was a New York firefighter and he's retired and doing really well. Um, but I brought up, I don't know why we started talking about New York, but we'd start talking about the cops and you know the shootings that are going on. And, and I, said, I said, yeah, I mean, the cops seem to be better is what I said. And he said, the cops are doing fine. It's not the cops fault. And I go, you mean the, the cops that are shooting these guys? Like it's not, it's not their fault or Derek Chauvin, the guy that put his knee on his neck. Like you're saying hundred percent, it's not the cops fault. And then, and then, then he, he used, he started losing the argument. Right. So he doubled down instead of manning up and saying, Hey, that was that extreme point. Wasn't good. He then said, um, you wouldn't understand. I go, why wouldn't I understand? I'm a veteran and I was military police in the Air Force. And he goes, that doesn't matter. You weren't in the Bronx, Bronx in the projects. And I go, oh, so you just lost your argument. And what you're going to do is, is use these like titles because you you're not very well articulated. And then I ended up coming back at him again. And I said, well, another problem is these are these police unions that are hiding these guys and are not holding them accountable because they're making the rest of the good cops look bad. And he said, and he's like, he just shook his head and stopped because he's a union guy. And I'm not saying I have answers, but the conversation does not need to be so certain when it's not, and it's complicated. And empathy needs to be there. A guy, was it yesterday, was murdered? Was it yesterday? Two, 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 two days ago. Two days ago. So, okay. Regardless. Die though. Oh, sorry. He's paralyzed and he was shot seven times. Seven is that right? In front of his family. In, in front of his family. And I just, I don't know. I wasn't there. I get it. I try to be neutral, but like another man just got shot. He happened to also be African-American where we're already having a history of this. And it's just sad. So to say cops don't have a part in this is, is ludicrous to me. Can we just examine though his statement? as a ex-officer saying you weren't in the Bronx. Bronx is obviously predominantly African-American, Latino, you know, sort of area. That's just him saying, you haven't seen these minorities. It's okay to shoot them, in my opinion. Like that's how that translates to me. Yeah, um, it's, it was, it was hard branding. Cause I mean, you, dude, you're an MD, right? You're a doctor and you know how it is where people, when they start losing arguments, they start using their title. And I have a few titles. I don't throw them around because I don't care. I'm just frank. I happen to be well-versed and educated, but I don't, I just want to have these conversations so we can get better. And like, I know we can agree. I would think, I didn't realize there was people that literally think police aren't the problem. I go, well, they're part of the problem and they need to improve. Like they need better training. We need better hiring. I don't know if defunding is going to help. That doesn't really make sense to me, but something needs to change. And I think, starting there is a step in the right direction not there is no problem when i mean obviously there is you know mm -hmm. well and it's like the actual problem is that that these subjects and these incidents like they have layers deep like this problem we're discussing right now is it's like an onion there's just almost like endless layers to it there's a lot to talk about but then someone like that guy you know, probably because it invokes a very emotional response for him because he is, you know, first responder or whatever. 
And so to him, it, 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 you know, that emotion just makes him want to defend. And then it's like, well, it's not the cop's fault. You know, when it's like, if there's two people in a situation, they probably both are playing into, you know, someone's, you know, there's stuff going on. And so I think that these things are, they have so many levels and layers and then people just start, you know, going in out on it very one-sided. Like they think there's only one level to it. Like, mm-hmm. like, and so like what I hear from the pro, like very pro back to blue people right now is like, well, that guy shouldn't have, you know, resisted or he shouldn't, have, he should have just been, if he was just doing what he should have done, he wouldn't have been in that situation. But then when you hear the other side, let's go to the flip side, very extreme. It's like, I don't think that that cop was like looking to just murder someone either, you know, right. but it's like, those are the two that collide, like the two thoughts that are colliding where it's like, there's probably so much in the middle of this, you know, and then yeah. people just, they just start going to war over it. You know, it's awful. And what's weird too is like, dude, my, my grandfather was a cop. He's a World War II veteran. My dad's a firefighter. I was golfing with him 29 years. I'm a veteran. So like, I'm like, I am pro first responder. I was in a military police or helped them out for a year. So it's very odd when he, he like peacocked me basically. And it's like, well, me at 30, just because you were a firefighter in New York, like it doesn't make you who you were. Like, I, I hate that. I hate that. Like I'm better than you. And something happens with men when they get older, where they get stuck in their ways and they lose humility. Like, I don't care how old you are, but you, you need to realize that you're not always right. Cause that would be a very boring and it's not true life. Particularly if he doesn't know you, he doesn't know your experiences. Yeah. Well, he judged me. He judged me hard. Mm-hmm. I do think Eric piggybacking on what you're saying is that this is a little bit of a different situation than with George Floyd. Um, mm-hmm. This guy was clearly ignoring everybody around him prior that were, was telling he was killing this this gentleman or this man in front of everybody. This was, I think, I, I don't know anything about this officer, so this is more just kind of what I, I think might have happened is this guy panicked. Frank, you and I are in a, in a career where we can't panic. Police officers, I think, are in another, in another um, kind of realm where they can't panic. You can't have that itchy trigger finger, right? Yeah, you, have no. to, you have to... You have to neutralize what you perceive as threats prior to getting to that point. The guy walked, right? He walked towards his car. He wasn't running. He walked. Take him down. Shoot his tires. Like I, you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of things that could have been done before he opened the car door and reached in. Sorry, my kid was screaming. When, uh, when that's when he decided to to you know unload his firearm. Like I, I supposedly he tried tasing him. I, I I don't remember. I don't remember seeing that. But I heard that too. Yeah. So, but still, there was several other officers around. Take him down, and figure it out then if if it's really at that point. Yeah, it's it's tough, Brandon, because I I like feel feel for the cops. I also feel for black people, especially black men. Uh, you know, I've had Melvin on, and like I feel I see why they're so angry. You know, like yeah, I wouldn't I agree with that. I don't know what to tell them other than I, I'm sorry. I don't know why it is this way. I, I, we need to be better, you know? And like me as a white guy, I still, when I get pulled over, I'm yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I don't mess around. My hands are here. Like, because I don't want any issue and I respect, and that's the way it goes. Cause I don't want any problem. You, you want to write me for a ticket? Here you go. If, if I get detained, I go right to a lawyer. I have researched enough that that's what we do. Like that's what's recommended. Actually. It was like, Dr. Inter- interjecting. I had like a, 
a snafu with my driver's license while I was in med school and I didn't realize that it had expired and I was driving on no, no license, whatever. And, um, I got pulled over and I got actually taken to jail and sat in a jail cell for, for half a day waiting for my dad to pick me up. And at, at no point in any of that exchange did I ever feel any degree of threatening. Like I, I was never scared for my life. I was in, you know, I had two cops taking me out of my car and putting me in the back of their car and my handcuffs behind me. And uh, yeah, I never felt fear. It was just like, uh, oh, I really fucked up this time. But you know what I mean? Like in, in someone in my shoes of a different color, it's an entirely different feeling. And, and I think the whole exchange between um, um, cop and, and the person in my situation starts off at a different point because there's already that degree of fear that they're starting this interaction with. And I think that's where there needs to be a lot more leeway with this guy walking to his car. Like, I don't know what he's doing, but there needs to be this understanding that there already is this kind of fucked up interaction that needs to, that needs to um, kind of be considered prior to unleashing firearms or, you know, things with force, that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? It's really complex. And I know that, you know, some good things I've heard uh, was like Jocko. He said like 20% of the time they should be training. So let's put money to where these guys get training. They know martial arts. Um, we're hiring the correct recruits like that are actually in it for the right reason. I know someone yeah. recently that was hired and his psychologist hit on him in the pre-author, you know, the pre-hiring. So, you know, we need better psychologists to screen these people. Uh, we need psychologists to screen them regularly and, mm -hmm. and get ahead of the curve. Like a Derek Chauvin who had PTSD from a long time ago, he should have been off the force a long time ago. So when you have a rap sheet that's two pages long, why are you still on the field? No more hiding these guys, no more unions backing them. And why are they training new recruits? Because he was training two brand oh, yeah. new recruits as well. It literally sounds like training day without being a, a movie. Like, yeah, that's just spreading the malignancy at that point. Yeah, and one of the problems too, man, is, I mean, Obviously, when money's involved, it, it, it does complicate it. But I, I know quite a few guys from Phoenix PD just because they work at my school. And, you know, a lot of them, they talk about, you know, a lot of guys like to go into FTO to be the field training officer because it pays more. You know, and some of them don't even care about training. They're just like, dude, it's just I, I can get make so much more money. And, you know, and, and it's that sucks, too, because you're like, well, dang, now you got a lot of guys where just their incentive is just to get paid more. And they may not even care or be the best guy to do it, you know. That's a good point. And I think that, you know, I see why people want to defund. I don't think that's the answer. I think just people are so angry. We don't know where to start. I do want to shout out to Dak Prescott donating a million dollars for training local police officers. That's that pretty cool. That was like, he may I not throw a slant route, but I'm just saying. I do want to caveat because I think I sounded a little bit angry there that there are absolutely great officers out there. My cousin is one of them. She's a detective in Maricopa. Um, so I don't want listeners to think I'm this anti-cop sort of person. I, I, it's like you guys said, it's very complex and it's not black and white. There's, it's a lot of gray. Yeah. What I don't like is just like, okay, so we support back to blue. We support officers. We support the good ones. We want the bad ones gone. And then we also support black lives. Like you can do both. It doesn't have to be, you have to be on that side of the wall versus that side. That's not the way it works. Um, unfortunately, that's how our TV works on the news. It's like you're one or the other. I'm not gonna go to a rally of either because I don't wanna be distinguished because I care about both of you. 
I so, think the problem there though is is that the blue lives matter is is has been and same with the all lives matter ended up being used as like a retaliatory thing mm -hmm. instead of saying yeah black lives do matter it was no we all do or no the blue lives you know what i mean like yeah. yes support black lives matter i definitely do and yes i i have some police officers that are very dear to me and i love them but like you can't use these other entities as a retaliation towards this fear and hurt this other group is experiencing and, and people are being egocentric right so i did research myself there's actually research like i think it was by the nih that came out with uh african-americans statistically are natively impacted more by deaths by cops and the problem is with these stats is that uh, african-americans are a small portion of the united states so people look at it first and go well it's only one third of whites yes but proportionally it's a lot more like their deaths are a lot higher so like i did my own research and said look and i posted this a while ago look there's a problem like it's not just that they're being highlighted in the news i get that but it, it is a problem like it's culturally a problem it's been a problem for many years and it needs to change now like and messages yeah. like this help i think it do and i think one of the problems too is it's just the way like it's not just law enforcement like police it's like the way they're taught or told we have to enforce laws and it's the laws themselves, you know, like marijuana being a schedule one drug, like that plays into a lot of what we were talking about, you know, it's, and it's awful. And, but I, you know, and I love cops too. One of my best friends is a Phoenix police officer. My uncle, he's a captain in the Houston police department. He's been there for like 30 years and he, uh, he does tons of work. He leads a whole division on like mental health and, you know, helping a lot of the homeless and things like that. And, um, so I worry about him when stuff's going to hell in a handbasket, because I think, you know, the, some of the biggest, uh, the people who pay the most are just the people who aren't even, you know, like on one extreme or the other, because those, those are actually the smallest part of the population. The majority of us are over here in the middle, and, but we're the most affected, you know, and so that's, that's the sad part too. And then like we, we discussed, I think a lot of people who probably shouldn't be an officer become officers. And, you know, my, I was meeting up with my buddy who, who's a, you know, he's still an FTO for Phoenix PD and he was telling me about his night. And he said that they found this guy. I don't even know why he, they got a, a call, but he was doing something shady. They ran him and he had a felony warrant. So they had to arrest him, but he, he appeared to be drunk or no, he was drunk and he had some drugs on him or something. He ran, he got away from, uh, I think my buddy's field training officer. So my, my buddy like goes to cut him off in an alley, something to that effect. But then all of a sudden he's confronted. It's like a one-on-one -on -one situation. And the guy was like, like, no, you're not going to arrest me. So it just went into a full on fight. And this guy, you know, my buddy's like my stature, but he, you know, he was in the Marines. He was an infantry Marine. He played college football. He can, he used to wrestle so he can handle himself. But he said this other guy was like six three, two thirty. He, they got into a brutal fight and he was like reaching on his belt, trying to grab his taser, trying to grab whatever he could. And he eventually got him cuffed. Uh, he didn't have to use any of his tools to like, you know, get him. He, he wound up out wrestling him and cuffing him. But I told him, I was like, you know, man, a lot of other people, probably including myself, cause I'm not some wrestler or fighter. I probably would have had to use a taser or pepper spray or even a gun. I don't know. Like, and there's a lot of people who probably shouldn't be cops who in that scenario, they're the guys who wind up on TV and start shooting someone. That's crazy that he didn't even yeah, reach for it. That, I feel like that's like 
yeah, probably first instinct for me because I'm not used to that sort of stuff. And that's, yeah, that's, that I think perfectly highlights why this isn't, you know, 100% one direction or the other. I just, I thank all cops for doing what they do. It's a thankless job. Uh, It's a job that people literally are now attacking you. Uh, You know, there's like stuff I see on the news, like executions with cops and uh, I used to work, I did a year on the Air Force Base uh, with a cop, and one guy was a Marine recon, so he was Marine Special Forces, and he said he got shot more as a Prescott police officer, as a Prescott sheriff. He literally was a 44-year-old, like, stocky farm guy, and he, he pulled someone over, and it was an old lady. She said, he said, like, 75, and he wore a vest, and he said that he went just a simple traffic stop on the highway because he ran a lot of the highways at the, the sheriff department Prescott and this lady shot him straight in the chest like just just for a speeding ticket like a 75 year old lady and then he said yeah he said he got shot more as a Prescott sheriff than as a marine recon in Iraq like if that could tell you something like I'm just like baffled like this is not like Walker Texas Ranger no and and you know uh, I was thinking of this and this might be my more like oh I want to you know I want to protect my rights or something while I listen to Brandon tell his story. But I was thinking it kind of, I think it's in line with what I was saying about how laws enforced is like, you know, Brandon, you said you didn't, you know, your license, like you didn't even know your license was expired. You get pulled over. And it's like, is that really something you need to be like cuffed for? Or like, that's not something you can handle. And like, that's the kind of nature of law enforcement that that can be scary to a lot of people. Like, it's like, dude, that's how we have to handle things. Like, yeah, I think they, they had explained it to me that it's just, that's how they have to do if they're putting someone in the car with them, they have to be cuffed. I think he ended up, if I remember right, when I got in the car, changing it to being in front of me. So he knew, I mean, it was just a clerical error that I had moved. I didn't update any of my my uh, addresses and I had moved from Mich- from Arizona to Michigan. It was just a whole clusterfuck that just, just happened to by the way, this podcast is explicit because we are honest and we are real, and I love it. <laughs> and Brandon keeps excellently cussing. So. Yeah, that's what <laughs> two hours of sleep gives you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man, I uh, I do like talking about these subjects, though, because I know that with the, t- the three of us, I can just I can talk to you guys in like. There was times before me and Brandon like synced up on the podcast, like Brandon will throw stuff out there on Twitter and Facebook because he's not scared of confrontation, either am I. I actually love Twitter. Oh my God. I love you getting up in there. It like three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. but I, I like it. We don't have a following at all, but that's okay. I just like getting on something and being like, that's like dumb. 19 people, I think. Yeah, something. It's growing. But the good thing about Twitter I've noticed is like you can have zero following. But people still see those tweets. You know what I mean? They do. It it doesn't – your following doesn't put you in some kind of algorithm. It might put your hashtag or whatever that bullshit is. But, like, if you're tweeting at somebody, like, it's just as open as Donald Trump's tweet, you know? (laughs) You know, it's funny, dude, because I'm learning. I uh, I came at somebody, and it was actually branded. <laughs> like, I didn't understand the conversation. And I'm like, God, I sound like an idiot. Like, Brandon <laughs> was being funny. And I was like, oh, I didn't get the sarcasm, because that's classic B-Law. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, I sound like an idiot. But it's whatever. It's just Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I was dude, funny. I, I think Frank reacted to something that I wrote from just a couple dudes like i we both have the log 
log in. So I replied, I think it was like the mask thing, right? Or, yeah, it was, you said something like wear, wearing a mask yeah. or having a condom wearing, by yourself in bed. Alone in your car is like wearing a condom alone in your bed. <laughs> and I'm like, just being extra safe. You never know. Do you remember South yeah. Park when they wore, they wore condoms every day? I didn't watch South Park a lot, but they like Cartman, all them like wore condoms like just all the time because they thought they were going to have sex, but never did. Like it was, <laughs> those guys are so witty, man. Yeah, they are. They're really good. But I thought it was funny because I like to just drop in and just like check out the tweets and see what's going on because there's a lot of action, you know. And uh, I, I remember looking and I was like, who is he responding to? Like it looks <laughs> like he just responded to his own tweet. And I was like, I can't see it, but – then I thought, you know what, maybe someone tweeted and then like they deleted it and now it just looks like that. And then all of a sudden, Frank goes in the group text and he's like, just called someone out. <laughs> and I was like, Brandon's like, that was me. <laughs> I know, I called Brandon out because I thought a guy was being like, I got him so good. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I got him, dude. I, z I zing him, you know? And then, uh, no, it was me being dumb. But that's why we have 19 I, followers. I compared maps to condoms. <laughs> yeah, I know, I did. Uh, dude, I'm having a good time. The one thing, I like Facebook more. Personally, that's my forum. I think it's more genuine. Yeah, I like Facebook. So, Brandon, you can say to Twitter all you want. Instagram's what bothers me, man. Facebook is the worst. That's where my following's at. That's where all our followings are, is Facebook. So, I don't know. Dude, yeah. Instagram's just, uh, it's, it, I don't know. I hate it. <laughs> Eric had to grind so hard, dude, to get a thousand followers, like for months. Like, hey, follow me. I'll follow you. Oh, wait, you're not following me? Oh, okay. Well, I'm not following you now. Um, this, by the way, um, do you need followers? Because we'll sell you followers. Like, that's Instagram. Bro, I got, we got like half a dozen a day, I felt like. Yeah. People like, dude, $20, 600 followers. I was like, that can't be right. Like, that just can't be true. Yeah. Click farms. It looks stupid too, it's by the way. Silicon Valley. There's it like look, click farms and internationally. Like, like fake, fake half of your followers are bots. Like, yeah. And why are they, all these people trying to sell me sex on Instagram? Like they have zero followers and they're bots. The algorithm of what your uh, Google searches. Is that what it is? Yeah. Really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I was like, <laughs> damn. Damn, he's throwing shade at me fast. They don't know my yeah, TikTok. You know, you know what Frank needs? Uh, Frank needs a fan a only or only fans. Only, only fans. fans. Only fans. Only fans. only? What is it? I remember, yeah. I, I actually just heard fans. about that yesterday. I didn't know it was a thing until yesterday. Yeah, it's like, uh, so it's it's basically like your, like your Snapchat, right? But it's like old, people will pay a subscription to just see your private stuff. And there's a lot of girls making tons of money. And they claim, like a lot of them are claiming like, oh, it's there's no nudity. It's like just it's my whatever. And so I was like, that'd be, I could see Frank with OnlyFans. Yeah. Yeah. Frank, absolutely. If he gets on The Bachelor, he's going to have his own. <laughs> you know what, man? I, I hope Mike Johnson can help out because he probably gets asked that a lot, but I genuinely think I would have a good time on there. And I think it would be great. Frank, you would have a good time in a cardboard box. Yeah, man. That's, that's usually my vibe. You know, a padded room. Frank, totally like, like Frank is just like, analyzing these women and he's like figuring out a way to like like match them up to like create the like the perfect storm of drama yeah. to weed out the losers you know what i mean like they don't even know that they're being put in these situations yeah do you want to hear about two of my most recent dates so i uh oh. i sent two people well this is in the last like 
month and a two months I've been single, but I sent two of them to hypnosis. I said, Hey, look, you got a lot going on. Let's get you better. <laughs> That's a first date thing. <laughs> no, one was a first date. And I was like, Hey, you know, there's some, weird. there's some deep stuff going on here. I can't fix it. Not Frank can, but I know who can. And the other one was a few more dates. And I also sent her that way and she had a great result. So now she's dateable. Well, she wasn't interested to be honest. Uh, and that's okay. Like I held, I held her hand and it felt like holding your sister's hand. And I was like, this is not going good. I think if, uh, I don't know. I was like, if this is bachelor date, you wouldn't have got my rose. I would have said, you know what? Hey, best wishes. Maybe give her a rose and take it back. <laughs> See, you know the thing is too with the bachelor i feel like that like those guys are always like it's really hard for them to decide like they're very indecisive but i don't see that being a problem for bachelor frank well, no I, yeah. frank would be on the bachelorette he's going to be one of the 30 dudes that are oh that would be good so how i stand out yeah <laughs> that would be great because i'm gonna have a great time just playing pool well you'll just bring your kettlebell yeah i'm gonna bring my uh my jocko leather kettlebell with lead in it <laughs> Just, just like, just hauling it around. Have you heard about the guy that was on Rogan? He carries a kettlebell with him everywhere just because. Like, I was like, like that's the Yeah, he, he, he's a fitness guy. He was on Run the Rogans, one of the episodes. And he carries a kettlebell because it, he had a pack with this really fat guy that lost a lot of weight. He said, I'll carry this as long as you're, you're going for it or something like that. So he'd bring his kettlebell to the airport. If you can, if you can picture that, like, just set it on the, the what, the conveyor belt. <laughs> I wonder how much that would cost to like to tr to make it travel, yeah. you know? Or was it like forty pound limit or something like that? Well, like, it's not all that. Cost. My computer froze, and I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh, really? Oh, we're talking about the kettlebell, <laughs> the kettlebell at the oh, okay. airport. Yeah. <laughs> it froze I, for about twenty seconds. <laughs> yeah, I uh, and I got to talk about that, man. We've invested a lot in this podcast and the Frankly New Joint, and like. Man, I spent like four grand the last two months, which by the way, was all cash. I had an engagement fund and that became luckily open for business. So I put it back in the business, you know, like you have to self-improve. The business of Frank. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, man, when we have a podcast studio, how cool is that going to be? Like, that's random. It's nice, dude. It's like you always you always want that you know what i mean like all those all those nights in either your like uh kitchen or just being at your own you know little desk and you're like then you see people with their like little studio set up it's always like oh man that's the thing that's what you need i think humble beginnings are important you know and even mm -hmm. like frankly new joint is we're keeping all our costs extremely low so that we can help more patients and start out with less stress like me and brandon both well me brandon and eric don't really come from money like me and brandon especially like I value money. I don't, I don't hold, I hold onto it probably too tightly, but we come from Phoenix, West Peoria, you know, me and Eric come from West Peoria, South Peoria. Like, dude, I thought, I thought a new car, like a new Corolla was like really nice. And it still is, mm -hmm. you know, like that new car smell, dude, it, it takes me back like that. That is real nice. <laughs> what do you think a new Tesla smelled like? Uh, I don't, Success. success yeah that's, that's what i was gonna say every time we talk about the cyber truck too i'm like i know i know we won't do this but i want to just shoot at it if it's bulletproof i just think i'm down thing. i down just, just, I, uh, just like two shots i just it's ordered like, if oh, they turn robocop into a truck yeah but robocop was actually a good movie the first one right 
when he got blown up at the beginning, that was savage. Do you remember that? Nope. Oh, yeah. man. 80s did not mess around. They had, yeah. like, no feelings in the 80s. It was all cocaine, bright colors, big hair, and, like, brutal, like, Punch 80s movie. Yeah. yeah. RoboCop was savage. Yeah. I uh, I do want a Cybertruck with Franklin New Joint. Maybe – no, I don't want to do both. Probably just Franklin New Joint because I think Jack's taken off, but – Frankly, New Joint would be pretty cool, man. How cool would that be? Like a rap, you know? I don't know. I just think it would a be funny. Cybertruck. Yeah. That would be cool. You know, I don't know why, but I loved about the Cybertruck was the well. First of all, it looks like a Halo Warthog. It like, does, if, if right? People know Halo. Yeah. Yeah, and then the steering wheel looks like a. It's like a pilot, like for an airplane. Yeah. It's not it, even a wheel. It's not it even has no mirrors right now because you can see all around it. And well, it probably um, drives itself too, right? I mean. Yeah. So. Uh, a lot of that's government regulation with how much they're allowed to be technically autonomous. But the technology per a lot of Tesla drivers I talk to is basically it drives the whole thing. You just have to kind of watch, which will do that. Have you seen those videos from like California and shit of those guys falling asleep in traffic and their Tesla's just driving them? No, there's people like there's people, there's been a few of them where people will like start recording like some guy. Cause he's just like slumped out and his car is just driving him into Tesla. That's my dream. That's that's my dream too. Like you wouldn't even care about traffic. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know the argument against self-driving either. It's like that we had one death, one death in a pilot thing. Everyone freaks out. But we have forty thousand deaths a year from regular drivers, mind you. Like that's drunk drivers, old people. Like computers are gonna be better drivers. There's like no argument for that. <laughs> like it's that's maybe. Yeah, I just think. I don't know. Yeah, it is weird. Change always. Control, you know? mm -hmm. And people will still have the option to, to be able to drive too. I, I would just, I would much prefer uh, if my truck had full autopilot mode and I, it would just give me so much time, dude. I could sit there and make a video or do something, you know, we could do a podcast. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like I would much rather not sit in traffic for an hour, like staying awake, just, you know, going six miles an hour. I'd rather just hit the button. And then when I, I want to drive, drive. I also like, um, I, I'm a bit, I've been a big fan of buying American things and supporting American companies. Yep. So Tesla is completely made here. It's the most American made vehicle in the country. So people can argue Ford is, is put together in Mexico. You know, all these other cars are from somewhere else. Toyota is also one of the most American made, by the way, which is why I buy Toyota. Yeah, it is funny. People have these weird uh, depictions of what they think is American. I buy Jocko's stuff, Jocko uh, Willink, the Navy SEAL. Like all his stuff is built here. And I know I pay a little bit more money, but I get really good quality. And you're supporting the supply chain here, which is really means a lot to me. Yeah, and our medical device we're launching is 100% here as well. It's in North Carolina. So we wanted to kind of do the same sort of thing to support support local. And again, we're going to make a little bit less of a profit margin on it because of that. But I think that's worth it. I think that's, that's awesome because at the end of the day, we shouldn't like the clothing industry. It's actually really sad every time you buy a t-shirt because it's coming from overseas and from child labor and, and, and lack of labor laws. It's really mm -hmm. sad. Uh, um, so like, why can't we pay a little bit more for more quality here and to where workers get paid and that, you know, we actually, I guess Jocko was saying that we, um, almost for almost lost, we almost lost the, uh, not the technology, but the, the learning to put a boot together. Yeah. Like that generation was gone. 
Have you seen The True Cost on Netflix? No, is it sad? It was it's sad. It was a it was an award-winning documentary um done by this guy. He's done some other really good work too, but he um he's actually making a different documentary and he stumbled upon this one and he went all over the world. He was in India, he's in Malaysia, he's in parts of China, Taiwan, and he was showing you like, okay, you go to H&M, you get this $5 t-shirt. Do you want to know how you get a shirt that cheap? And then he went to all these different, you know, factories. You could barely call it a factory. It's like crumbling buildings and infrastructure and basically just showed like just the absolute unethical system of like, basically all the clothes we have here in America. And then people, I didn't even think of this, like people feeling really good about donating clothes, like, oh, we'll donate art clothes. And then most of it winds up in these, I mean, there's these huge, like, not even like landfills, like there's just places like in Haiti where it's just full of like Americans, like denim jeans and t-shirts. And like, there's just, they're like, we can't get rid of them. Like there's so much of it. Super Bowl shirts of the the Super Bowl loser, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, man. It's, and it's, uh, it was really, it was really sad, but it made me think, I was like, yeah, like I, I really want to be more intentional about buying some American made products and, you know, it boosts and stimulates our economy, right. Mm-hmm. Versus another economy. I actually recently I've used a lot of local things. Uh, my buddy, Andy Scroggin put the handles on my uh, cabinets. You can see uh, he has a local because business. That's really funny. I was going to, I made a comment in my head about that. I was going to ask if you wanted help with that. Oh mm-hmm. no, thanks Brandon. I just, but he, uh, he's, he started his business uh, like four years ago and he's doing really well. And it's, uh, I forget awesome. the name of it, Andy Scroggin Contracting. And he's a great guy, does cabinetry and stuff. My stepdad's building the podcast table. Uh, my buddy's building the, the Pentagon shape for the room, which is gonna be yellow, black, white, which is gonna be audio diffusers too, to provide better audio uh, quality in the bedroom. Um, I used a guy, Andrew Gabbert, he's a local uh, gun dealer dude that had to go through all kinds of stuff to be licensed. And I bought an AK 47. You know, I'm I'm safe with guns, but I I like them as a veteran. I don't know. We used to shoot them and I just wanted an AK 47. So uh, I just love having like to support. It's so nice to be able to support other people like, and that's what we want. And that's what we do for others. Like it's it's just so rewarding. And I like, dude, even another small thing, like I started, I was telling you about it yesterday, Frank, uh, I started buying this like local milk it's from like a local mm. farm around here and uh, they sell it. They're in sprouts and there's some other like whole foods or something. I don't know, but it's really good. And it's in a glass bottle. Like it feels mm-hmm. cool. You can return the yeah. glass bottle back to sprouts. Like, you know, I pay a little bit more, but it's, it's worth it to me. You know, I, I think we have to start looking at things differently because we were trained for so many decades to be consumers, right? Consumerism and excessive consumerism which is destroying a lot of things so right now i'd rather have quality over quantity so when it comes to shirts i'd rather instead of having five shirts for twenty dollars which you know damn well they're not very good i'd rather just pay twenty dollars for one good shirt i'm gonna value and use for you know 10 years right definitely man big time that's how i felt too even with my wardrobe you know i i wanted to especially was after i watched that documentary i think it's been like two years um since it came out but I was like, you know, I really want to be, yeah, more intentional, not just go for whatever's the fast sale, cheap, whatever, because you're just buying into that whole system. And, you know, the saddest part, too, at the end of this documentary, not to ruin it for people, but so they show, like, images of these factories, like, in, like, still images of these people who work, and they have, like, missing limbs from, you know, crazy stuff, and they're super affected. And, uh, and then they show a side-by-side security footage of Americans on Black Friday 
like beaten down the department store to get in and we're just like throwing money and buying, running out with clothes and TVs and then they show like the people where this stuff is made and they're like you know in squalor and it's just like you're like oh my gosh so you just you get that guilt just goes right to your heart like oh man maybe I should buy the $20 shirt you know Well, I, uh, I mean, just quick, because we're going to be wrapping up here soon, is that uh, I don't know if you know your our iPhones. Have you heard about they come from China, like part of yeah. it? And they have nets for people because they go to the top and jump off because mm -hmm. they committed suicide due to the type of like labor uh, excess they have there. It's just, it is really disheartening when the world is connected. And for some reason, America, we are so egocentric and we forget that, that there's other people in the world and that are dealing, like the top just making, I think it's like, is it 30 grand or something like that? And you're in the top 1% in the world financially? It's yeah, something like it, that. Like if you make, it was something like if you make $32,000 a year uh, up against like the whole world, like US dollars, then you're in the top like 1% or 2% compared to the planet. Because I think it's something like 2 billion. I think it's 2 billion are make less than less than a dollar a day or is a dollar a week something crazy like there's an immense amount of people so it, dra it kind of drags that number out you know um it's just crazy i don't know it's so it's sad we, we won the lottery by just being born in america like yep. that alone was brandon i think you're mute on i say people don't realize that i think that's a really good point is is quote you know winning the lottery by being born here even if you're in you know lower socioeconomic still better than most places yeah, and I, I try to, I don't travel the world like a lot of millennials. I swear a lot of millennials have are funny. They're like, I have to be in Egypt. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't have to be there. It would be cool. But, you know, it's like this hyper focus on I have to travel. Um, I have to travel now before I die. And I go, you know what, like, it's, I can go to Flagstaff and still have a good time. I like cardboard boxes, I guess. But I just thought that's another funny but you know what's funny with millennials this whole i have to travel thing it, it becomes uh like music festivals so it's like they got to go to egypt for the music festival and then they go to you know norway and there's a music festival it's like the same music festival but all over the world you know? yeah nothing makes me feel more old than than this idea of traveling to go to these music festivals and just being outside like that for five days and not showering I just, <laughs> It's just not not any any percentage of me that wants to go do that. Not even drive by. I don't even want to roll down the windows and get the smell. Like keep the windows yeah. up. Let me just keep driving on the highway. I I had <laughs> to uh, yell at him to get off my lawn. I think. I went to Country Thunder, and let me tell you, I definitely hurt my kidneys. <laughs> it was it was a rough four days. Like it was like five hours of sleep and four days and like well no like ten hours of sleep maybe total and then just drinking that's when i used to chew and red bulls and yeah. sun i don't know it was just a different time when do you think there will be another country thunder you know what in this country so they're they're actually doing concerts overseas already in europe but what they're doing is they built podiums where people can go as a family and be on the podium by themselves i thought that was actually really neat because mm. i think we are too crowded in general actually I think. We're complaining about it though I yeah. saw all sorts of people talking derogatorily about that, but 
I mean, do you, do you want your concert or do you, you know what's funny too with that is like, yeah, like I've seen the same thing. People are like, this is what it's become. I'm like, you know, what's funny is like a year ago, you would have paid triple the price to get box seats that do the same thing. You know, yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Like, you know, don't you feel like such a square when you're in the, you're in the, what is it called? General admission. I've never been above general admission, so I don't know what that's like. I hope someday I can get to the intermediate level. That's where I'm aiming financially. Set those those uh, scopes high, Frank. Yeah, man. I'm aiming real high. Maybe season tickets to the Suns, but right now it's just virtual. So I'm going to hold off yeah. on yeah. that. Time to go. All right, bro. So um, Brandon's got to get going. So yeah. Eric, is there anything else you wanted to kind of like wrap up? I think we No, I think I had one last quick question just to be fun. Do you, when do you think, or do you think there will be any fans in the stadium for NFL season coming up? Um, I think it's going to largely depend on what this winter looks like. If we have just a flu season, then I think reasonably in the spring and fall, we'll look at having normal um, mm. sports again, but this ends up being another wave of flu and, uh, you know, or sorry, flu and another wave of COVID, like I, another year no. or two. Mm. Yeah. It, it sucks, man, because I got a buddy that's a Cowboy fan. He's another doc I golf with. And I already told him, like, we're calling as soon as there's tickets because he's a diehard Cowboy fan, and I have to stick with all my fans that are abused like me. And um, <laughs> But, yeah, do we do we add – we add exit stuff, huh? Brandon's got all that, huh? So we're good? Okay, we're good. Yep, all right, guys. Okay. Well, cool. I'll stop recording now. So. Cool, man. Thank you for tuning in to another can't-miss episode of Just a Couple Dudes or Jacked Podcast. We're new on Twitter, so please give us a follow at at JAKDpod. On Instagram, you can follow us at JAKD underscore podcast. And we have a new YouTube channel set up at Just a Couple Dudes, and that's couple with a K. We also have a website, JAKDPOD.com, with a new store set up where you can check out our merch and other fun items that we're going to be putting up. So please give us a follow. Check out our website. And tune in for the next podcast that we'll be releasing shortly. Thanks. Mm -hmm.